beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning has been set aside as a prayer service for crops and labor. It's an annual tradition among us. Not only do we celebrate Thanksgiving Day in the fall, we also come before the Lord to seek his blessing on our crops and labor each spring. At times, doing traditional things can leave us unmoved. We get so used to the various traditions that we don't stop to consider why we practice them. The reason why we set aside a Sunday each spring for a prayer service for crops and labor is that we're ever dependent on God's blessing on our lives. It is good to acknowledge that before the growing season begins, before the busyness of summer work. For many of us, this year's prayer service is more meaningful than most. COVID-19 has had a devastating effect on our economy. Many businesses have had to shut down or have experienced a slowdown in work. Many employees have been laid off or have had their hours reduced. Many are uncertain about what the coming months will bring. For some among us, it is or soon will be a struggle to pay the bills. Economic pressure is difficult to handle. It causes anxiety and stress. and create a strain in our marriage relationships or interfere with our sleep. At times, it can also affect our relationship with the Lord. Going through hard times can make us doubt God's goodness or faithfulness. Yet our sovereign God is confronting us with the economic fallout of COVID-19. This, beloved, is part of God's plan for our lives. While it's true that hardships are never fun, God routinely uses them for our spiritual growth. And so we need to ask ourselves the question, what is God teaching us through the slowdown of our economy? What is he teaching me through this time when my business is slow or when my income is less? In the past years, have I had a right focus in my life? Have I been living a well-balanced life? Generally speaking, we're known to be a hardworking community, and that's an honorable thing. The Bible teaches us to do our work not as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Yet if we examine our motivations, why is it that we often work hard? Is it to honor God? Or is it to try to get ahead in life? How important is money to us? Does our financial security have more priority than our family relationships? How much time do we invest in personal and family devotions or in communal Bible study? Do you think it might be possible that God has sent COVID-19 to slow us down, to make us Examine our priorities in life. 
this morning, more than at any point in time in the last 10 years, our prayer service for crops and labor has meaning for us. The economic disruption to our economy teaches us how dependent we are on God for our daily bread. It makes us thankful for employment and work. We will pray for the Lord's blessing over us, that he will provide all our bodily needs. But let's do that from the perspective that Jesus teaches in our text from John 6. He tells us not to work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. He teaches us kingdom priorities in the midst of our struggle to provide for our families. I preach you the gospel under the following theme. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. So, beloved, what needs to happen in your life for you to feel blessed by God? And how do you count your blessings? Are your biggest blessings material or spiritual? In the Old Covenant, God provided His people Israel with their own land to live in. If you read about the blessings of obedience and the curses of disobedience, they could be measured materially. Blessings on obedience included receiving children, abundant crops, expanding flocks and herds, and victory over Israel's enemies. Curses on disobedience included being unfruitful, experiencing frustration in all they did, suffering illness and drought, defeat at the hand of their enemies, and ultimately going off into exile. On the basis of many of the promises God made to Israel in the Old Covenant, many churches today preach a health and wealth gospel. They say that if you truly have faith in God, you can claim His blessings And you will experience profound material benefits. You'll never go through hard times financially. And if you happen to get sick, God will heal you. Yeah, that's not the message of the gospel. The gospel focuses on all our spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are righteous before God. We've been adopted as God's children. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We're being renewed in Christ's image. We have great and glorious promises about the resurrection and the life everlasting. Now we need to understand, beloved, that this doesn't mean that God is uncaring about our bodily needs. God is good, and God loves to give good gifts to his children. God is faithful, and he has promised to provide all our daily needs. Yet God has not promised abundant riches to all who put their faith in Christ. He tells the church, we will always have the poor among us. God has not said that life will be free from all illness and disease. We live in a fallen world. These are part of the consequence of man's fall into sin. 
when you look at the Apostle Paul's prayers in his various letters, it's striking that he rarely prays for God's material blessings on his people. Instead, the focus of his prayers is that God will continue to work in us by his word and spirit, that we may grow and increase in our faith and in the fruits of faith. Paul himself experienced many hardships and trials for the sake of the gospel. He writes, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and needs. Paul learned to be content, whatever his outward circumstances. Are you content, beloved? Are you satisfied with your lot in life? Contentment is not part of our fallen human nature. God created us with many different desires in our hearts. And many of those desires are focused on the here and the now. When you're hungry, you want food. When you're thirsty, you want a drink. When you've been cooped up inside, you want to go out. Wives want their husbands to really love them. Husbands want their wives to truly respect them. Kids just want to belong, to matter, to family members and friends. We are material beings living in a material world. If we're kids, we want new toys, or maybe a kitten or a puppy. As young people, we want to buy our own car and our own home. And once we've done that, we want to improve on what we have, getting something bigger and better. We want to be able to go south for a week or two in the middle of winter. We want recreational toys like boats and motorhomes. We look around and we see what other people have, and it's easy to feel like God's blessings are going to them and not to me. In our possession-oriented world, it's hard to be content. The Lord Jesus recognized that lack of contentment in the crowds that followed him. John 6 tells us how a large crowd came to Jesus on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They followed Jesus because of the miraculous signs he performed in healing the sick. Since they were far from any nearby towns, Jesus fed them. He turned a boy's lunch of five buns and two fish into food for a crowd of 5,000 men, plus women and children. It caused the people to confess, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. John writes that because Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew from them. But the people were not ready to let go of Jesus. They saw how Jesus sent his disciples away in a boat across the sea and how he did not go with them. We know from Matthew's gospel that Jesus withdrew and went up on a mountain to pray. That night Jesus walked on the sea and joined the disciples in their boat. The next day the crowds found Jesus at Capernaum. They asked him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They knew Jesus had not left with his disciples and that there were no other boats available. They wondered how he had come to Capernaum. Jesus did not answer their question. 
Instead, he addressed the crowds about why they were following him. Their motives were not pure. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You know what Jesus is addressing here? The hearts of the people were focused on carnal things. On the fact that Jesus could heal them of their diseases. On how Jesus was able to provide an abundance of food from a boy's lunch. On their desires for a Messiah who could deliver them from the power of Rome. Who could restore Israel to a powerhouse among the nations of the world again. The people had no spiritual sensitivity. They could not see that the signs Jesus did pointed to a far greater spiritual reality. They had no concept of the fact that Jesus had come into the world to establish God's kingdom on earth. The feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children pointed beyond itself to the spiritual nourishment that the people needed. Their basic problem was not that they lacked food. It was that they were sinful people who needed a Savior to deliver them from their sins and from the mastery of Satan. By nature, their hearts were corrupt. They needed the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. But the people were blind to all that. To use the Apostle Paul's language, they set their minds on the things of the flesh and not on the things of the Spirit. There's a warning for us in this. In the midst of the economic disruption caused by COVID-19, we can get anxious and frustrated. Many companies are dealing with sharp decreases in work. Many employees have had their hours reduced or have been laid off. We get frustrated about all the restrictions, feeling that especially in a place like Manitoba, the response to the virus is overdone. We worry about how long it'll take before the economy begins to pick up again. Jesus addresses all our concerns in our text. He says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. We need to understand that when Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes, he's not making an absolute statement. Jesus is talking here about our perspectives and our priorities. Our text is not saying that we don't need to work for our daily bread. For it's through our daily work that God commonly provides our bodily needs. The Bible makes clear our calling to be faithful in the task God gives us to do. After creating man, God gave him a cultural mandate to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. After the fall into sin, God said to Adam, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. The fourth commandment states, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. This commandment not only sets aside a day of rest, it also mandates work. Ecclesiastes 2.24 says, There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink 
and find enjoyment in his toil. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul makes a number of statements about the strong link between working and eating. In 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10, he gave this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. There were believers in Thessalonica who were idle, not busy at work, being busybodies and meddling in other people's affairs. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul encouraged them to do their own work quietly, to earn their own living. In Ephesians 4, verse 28, Paul writes, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This text also shows our calling to work, to support our families, and to give to those in need. Now, beloved, we recognize that there are different stages in life, and that we may be confronted with varying circumstances. The task of a young person is to be busy with their schoolwork and to develop their gifts and their talents. Education is important. It provides perspectives and skills to prepare you for your future employment. Similarly, we have members who have worked hard for much of their lives and who are now retired. Retirement gives opportunity to focus your gifts and talents on other things. We all have a calling to labor faithfully in the tasks God gives us to do, whether it be at work, caring for our families, or volunteering in the church or in the wider community. So when Jesus said, do not labor for the food that perishes, he did not intend for us to stop working for our livelihood. Yet he teaches us that in doing our daily work, we need to set our eyes on something other than the food that perishes. What did Jesus mean by this? It should be clear that when Jesus speaks about food that perishes, he's speaking about more than just food. He's referring to all our bodily needs, to the material things that we enjoy here on this earth. Jesus is talking about our food and drink, our shelter and clothing. He's talking about our toys, our cars, our houses, our holidays, our recreational pursuits. What Jesus is teaching us here is that our primary focus in life should not be on our work, on earning money, on getting ahead in life. That's a hard thing for us to digest. It's in our nature to so easily become one-eyed in life. We get up in the morning with the intention of going to work. Work occupies the bigger part of our day. It gives meaning and purpose to our lives. Ask any guy, who are you? And chances are they will identify themselves by their work. A guy will say, I'm a plumber, a businessman, a teacher, a computer programmer. Many of us get satisfaction from our work and from the fact that it's the means by which we provide for our families. And yet, beloved, there's more to life than work. In our text, Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
Jesus is making a comparative statement. He does not mean for us to stop working for our livelihood, but that in our work we are to set our eyes on something other than the food that perishes. Jesus is teaching us to direct our eyes heavenward, to seek our life and our well-being in him. He teaches us to live not just with a focus on material things, but also on the really important matters of life. Our reading from Matthew 6 makes it clear what Jesus is communicating in our text. Jesus taught us not to be anxious about bodily needs like food and drink and clothing. He pointed to the marvelous way in which God provides food for the birds of the air and the beauty with which he clothes the flowers of the field. Jesus plainly tells us we are much more valuable to our Heavenly Father than birds or flowers. We're God's children. Through Christ's blood, our Father has adopted us. He's made us part of his family. So why don't we need to get stressed or anxious or worried about the effects of COVID-19? Jesus tells us about how the Gentiles seek after their bodily needs, but says to us that our Heavenly Father knows that we need them all. Jesus commands, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, don't set your hearts on the food that perishes. God will supply that. You seek the kingdom. You seek the bread that endures to everlasting life. In other words, beloved, don't expend all the effort of your body and mind to satisfy yourself with material things. The treasure of this world will never last. You can build your earthly empires. You can work hard and you can be successful in life by worldly standards. You can enjoy the perks and pleasures that come with worldly wealth. But remember Jesus' words in Luke 9, verse 25. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits his soul? So where is Jesus directing us in our text? He tells us to labor for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. In John 6, Jesus not only fed a large crowd of perhaps 20,000 people with bread from a boy's lunch. Jesus also told the crowds, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus encouraged the crowds then and us also today to find meaning and satisfaction in life in him. In Jesus' words, we see an invitation to partake in the abundant life that only he can give. Jesus' words remind us of what Isaiah wrote in the first verses of Isaiah 55. He said, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. 
Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. Beloved, in John 6, we see the Lord Jesus issuing the call of the gospel. Come to me. Believe in me. Jesus identifies himself as the living bread which came down from heaven. He calls us to feed on him. What Jesus is teaching us is that he alone is the source of our life and well-being. All the riches and pleasures of this world can never ultimately fill the longing of our souls. It's only in Jesus Christ that we'll ever find comfort, peace, hope, and joy. Beloved, COVID-19 has had, has in many ways slowed down our lives. Some of us are working less hours than we normally did. We've been restricted from doing many of the things that occupy a lot of our evenings and spare time. Most sports leagues are shut down, or at least are on hold. Our opportunities for fellowship have been restricted. More than ever, we have time for family devotions. We have time to think about what life is really all about. Time to consider our priorities in life. Are you truly worried about your material needs? Please remember, God is good. Psalm 145 says, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. James writes that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights. Our Heavenly Father delights in giving good gifts to His children. Do you know how we can be sure of that? In Romans 8, Paul asks, He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. How will He also along with Him, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? If our good and gracious God was willing to sacrifice his own dearly loved son in order to redeem us, will he not also provide our daily needs? We don't need to be worried or stressed or anxious due to the fallout of COVID-19. God will take care of us. Instead of stressing about the material things of life, Jesus calls us to labor for the food that endures to eternal life. He tells us he is the living bread that came down from heaven. He calls us to feed on him. Jesus is the only one who can truly fill the deepest longings and desires of our hearts. It's by being in a living relationship with Christ that we find meaning and purpose in our lives. May God grant us his grace and spirit that we learn more and more to find our life in Christ. May we find rest 
and peace for our souls in Christ alone. Amen.